Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Undivided, episode number 51, The Role of the Media, which is brought to you by Audible.com. That's Audible.com, the world's leader in spoken audio, audiobooks, online periodicals, and speeches. For all things spoken audio, it's Audible.com. Head on over to Audible.com after the show here tonight and enter in the right-hand side of the screen in the drop-down menu box. Enter Life Coach Radio Network for a chance at a free trial. 30-day trial and some other prizes brought to you by in our sponsor audible.com that's audible.com the world's leader in spoken audio and the sponsor of undivided here on the life coach radio network and welcome in everyone again this is episode 51 of undivided i'm your host frank jamaduri it is august the 14th the year 2019 this is a recorded program so there will be uh, no calls uh, tonight no audience live participation it is a recorded show, and the disclaimer for tonight's show, before we get too far in, the views of episode number 51 of Undivided on the Life Coach Radio Network may not necessarily be the views of myself as host, Frank J. Maduri. I have no guest this, uh, for this episode, or else I would have listed the guest, and may not necessarily be the views of the Life Coach Radio Network. And now that we've moved beyond the disclaimer, welcome everyone back to Undivided. I know it's been the longest break that we've had in this show. I had mentioned it when I went off the air in episode number 50, very important uh, milestone episode for the series. Uh, Series has been on about two years now, uh, just a little bit over two years now, and uh, with Suzanne Riley, and we had done the Body Image Divide episode. And I had said that I was taking some time. This is a special episode. It's a special uh, uh, night and time. I'm usually never um, on in the second week of any month. But because of some things that uh, I had mentioned at the end of the last episode that I had going on that I knew ahead of time and uh, some some time that I needed to to take care of some things with other other work-related things that I had and other obligations I had, it worked out actually quite perfectly. And it doesn't seem like a month. A lot has happened in my own life uh, in that time. Um, And there's been uh, a lot of um, uh, very busy days and very busy weeks. And I find myself back on the air with all of you. So thank you for listening in tonight and for continuing to uh, support the series of Undivided. And to live undivided. And this show is dedicated to my dad. Uh, my dad introduced me to the media. My dad, um, you know, I remember my first real memories of the media was uh, my dad kind of showing me, you know, how to read the Wall Street Journal. What does a stock listing mean? Uh, what what are what is a financial statement or a quarterly report? And showing me the New York Times and saying. You know, always look at the uh, title of the article and decide whether or not you want to spend the time to read it by perusing, you know, the first two or three sentences. And then you're going to know whether or not you want to invest the time and also to look at the author and the author's name, because that person took the time to put forth this effort, to put forth this work for people. And to remember those authors, because there's certain authors, both in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, whatever outlet it was, that you may like and you may start to follow their work. 
And my dad showed me all that. He introduced me to the media and introduced me to, uh, you know, the news at night. My mom used to watch it too, you know, the local news, uh, the national news broadcast. You know, when I was growing up, that's all that we had, you know, for several years were the main networks when you're talking about the, the medium of television. I'm going to get to that in, in the first point a little later, but media has certainly evolved uh, over that time. And media has certainly served to, you know, divide people um, as much as unfortunately has, it should be uniting people. And that that's very sad when you think about, uh, when you think about these roles and, and some of the things that, that has happened, that have happened, excuse me, um, you know, over time, instead of, you know, focusing in on, you know, what's important, they're, they're focusing in on, uh, you know, potentially what, what their agenda may be. And we're going to get to that in a moment as well. Uh, so the first segment of any show is the divide segment. And in this segment, we look at, you know, how does this, whatever the main topic is, how does it affect people and, and what's the divide in society? So the first point that, and first question essentially that I'm going to be you know, asking myself tonight, and I also want to mention that, you know, my background in journalism, so as I said, my dad introduced me to the media, and then I ended up getting into journalism and uh, writing some news stories and, you know, publishing things. That gives me uh, a lot of, uh, I would say, insight, and gives me a degree of credibility to be able to do this show, um, you know, without a guest, because I've seen it. And I know people that are in the industry, uh, both currently and in the past, and how that has all changed. So how's the role of the media changed over time? As I had mentioned in the show opening, you know, back when I was growing up, for the, for the majority of the time I was growing up, you had the networks. You had CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. Most people generally speaking, watch one of the main three. So either you were someone that got the television news uh, from CBS, someone that was a a fan of NBC or someone that was a fan of ABC, quote unquote, um, and you got your information from one of those sources. Typically it tended to be whatever your parents or family watched uh, more because it became uh, a habit. Many Americans you know, watch the network news because it's something that they always did. So it's almost like a source of comfort. Uh, Some people watch it to remember the times, especially now when things were different and that's how we did. That was the only way that we really got certain types of, of media stories, like on a national or international level. And you realize how much can be missed. You know, when I went and, and I meant to mention as well, you know, when I went through college, I've mentioned on the program previously, but for those who are listening for the first time, I studied communications and political science in college. And in studying the role of the mass media, you know, the role of the mass media, uh, they are supposed to be a a watchdog, uh, a gatekeeper, a scorekeeper. So what does that mean? You know, the gatekeeper, there's uh, elites that decide what gets airtime and what does not. And it's unfortunate, but there's a limited amount of airtime, uh, especially when you're talking about a 30 minute national you know, news broadcast with commercials. 
there are people that, you know, we think that the role of media should be keeping score. And then also as a watchdog, you know, are they trying to quote unquote, get over on people, uh, whether it's uh, a business, a government, uh, a large entity, are they trying to, to quote unquote, get over on the average person, uh, watchdog consumer type groups, uh, stories that are related to that, uh, you know, product recalls, things of that nature. It's changed over time because at one point it used to be fact-driven journalism. At one point, I really do believe that there, I mean, human beings, there's always an agenda involved. It's not like there isn't. But it went from something that was more fact-driven and collecting the facts to something that was more agenda-driven. And that's happened through, you know, mergers and acquisitions through news outlets being owned by large corporations, which I'm going to get to, you know, on the points further down uh, as we get into the show. And it's uh, about different people that are involved pushing their own agenda because the, the corporations that own these media outlets are publicly traded. And that becomes a whole other, you know, issue entirely. The role of the media has changed in there's all sorts of media now. We're going to talk about the new media in a second. But like I had said, you know, when I went through college, they, in, in the study of the mass media, they present the news for you to watch the commercials. And if you notice, even when you stream the news through certain apps today, if you want to get a little more technically savvy, technologically savvy, you have to watch commercials. You know, CBS uh, All Access, the, the app that you pay for, you can watch 60 minutes in an hour, but that means you're watching 20 minutes of commercials approximately. So they still present these programs, as we used to say in college, to sell soap, to sell toothpaste. They care more about that, more about the airtime, uh, more about the ad advertising airtime, excuse me, than they do about what's actually in the segments of, of the news. They want to get your attention with that. They want to sell you soap. What impact does the new media and social media play in dividing people? It accentuates the differences in people instead of focusing on the common good or on the common elements that we hold you know, together as traits that would potentially unite us in harmony. Instead, a lot of you know, social media tends to play on the differences because people, I was talking to someone yesterday about this, uh, a coaching colleague of mine, and you know, we were talking about how, you know, people will take shots at, at other people on social media because they're behind a computer. They would never actually say that to the person's face. Most people wouldn't. Most people wouldn't be that bold or brash. Most people would think before they would say that to another person, you know, to their face, as, as, as they would say. But social media allows people to take shots, basically, at people, quote, unquote, because you're behind a screen and you're not seeing that person face to face. You're not seeing the toll that some of those comments, some of that feedback would have. And it focuses on, oh, well, you believe that? Well, then you're a this or a that or, or a such and such or so and so. You're a diehard uh Republican, you're a bleeding heart liberal, you're a you know, tree-hugging environmentalist, 
you're a tub thumping, you know, rabble rousing, alt left, whatever. Those are all the the traits. Those are all the uh, emotions that it brings out. Some of the new media too. It's so hyper focused that it tends to you know filter out people so that people say, oh, "I'm not going to put myself through watching that. That's a bunch of drivel, essentially." I'm not going to watch it. It's a bunch of metalheads, you know, hanging out or whatever the assumptions are that are there. So it tends to drive wedges versus focusing on, okay, we may disagree on this, but what do we have in common where we could start building a common dialogue? It doesn't do that for the most part. And, and I think that will have to change. We're going to talk about that. When did media bias begin? And will it change? This is a very complicated question because I believe that bias is inherent in every human being. As much as we don't want it to be, we've talked many times on this program with different guests about the lens with which we see the world. And as we say in coaching, your perspective, your worldview, that is formed. And it's formed in a lot of ways and influenced by the media. It's also formed by people that run the media. And as that's changed and you have people running the media that are are publicly traded corporations that want to sell stock, that want to sell ads, that want to be in corporate sponsorships with other people, excuse me, with other corporations, with other partners to broaden profit, that's where things start to get biased. I think it's always been there. It's just gotten worse. These people are biased by nature, whether they believe they are or not. We all have certain things from our upbringing. We all have certain things, nature versus nurture, and a whole other conversation for a whole other episode. Will it change? I'm not sure. Some people, you know, in my my preparation for the show, some people felt that this new media, this social media, uh, you know, the YouTubes, the GoPros, the getting – you know, the actual what is happening on the ground in certain places that maybe we've never seen before, people taking footage with their phones. Everyone has a camera today. So that unfiltered nature of things is both good and bad because I think it's a shock to a lot of people. And that shock inevitably kind of drags them down, which we're going to talk about the the media cycle um, in a moment after the 15-minute stop, which is going to be in another minute. Will that change? I'm hoping that that some of that new media, the Instagram, the YouTube, uh, the Facebook Live, some of those things will change the bias that we get from the mainstream media by presenting things. You know, today there's footage of the, of the um, situation in Hong Kong you know, with all the protests and things. And there's media coverage that I watched that is focusing on the violence and, you know, focusing on, you know, maybe police overreaction. And then there's another story that shows people out in the street outside the Hong Kong airport with American flags singing the national anthem of the United States. And all these people being anti-American and this anti-America pushback, which I spoke about at length on the July 4th special episode, America is still that hope for the world 
it's still that shining city on a hill, as, as President Reagan called it. And that's what some people in the media don't want you to know or see. We're about 15 minutes in. We're uh, 60 minutes in, to be exact. You're listening to Undivided, episode number 51, The Role of the Media, which will return in a moment with yours truly, your host, Frank J. Maduri. But first, uh, upcoming show promotion for you, Replenish Me. Replenish Me is the series Cordelia Gaffar. Cordelia Gaffar is the host. Wednesday, August 28th is her next episode. Uh, Wednesday, August 28th, live, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. I believe she might have an episode tonight, too, but I was not sure. Um, I know she definitely has one coming up on the 28th. So you want to check the uh, Life Coach chat channel website at 7 p.m. Eastern live. But uh, I know she definitely has a show on the 28th of, of August. And let's raise some money tonight. Audible.com is our sponsor, which we're so grateful for. Uh, but let's raise some money tonight through some of these public service reads that I do. Catholic Charities, 800-919-9338. That's Catholic Charities, great organization, very transparent. 800-919-9338. www.salvationarmyus.org. That's www.salvationarmyus.org. Enter your zip code to donate to your local community or Google search the uh, poor zip code in your state or in your region and donate to those who are most in need. We're back here on Undivided, episode number 51 here on August the 14th, The Role of the Media, with your host, Frank J. Maduri. And as we went to the 15-minute stop, we were talking about media bias. Excuse me. And what drives that? And what drives uh, people is the the lens, the perspective, their viewpoint. We are, we all see things a certain way. We all make certain assumptions or preconceptions. What drives audience attention towards tragedies, crime, and violence? If you remember, you know it's part of the human condition, and we we've uh, addressed that on this program. You know, in, in earlier episodes of the series, and at some points it was one of the one of the themes that kept kind of resonating and popping up. But what drives people's attention towards that is the the media fear machine, as I've talked about at length on this series. The media likes to drive fear into the hearts of people. If you remember, there was a a movie back I think it was in the nineties. I can't remember the the title of it. It was it was probably in the late '90s, early 2000s, with Kelsey Grammer was like the main star, and it was about a news network, and they were in a ratings war, which is the other thing that comes about with you know different organizations and and of news and different corporations being in competition with each other for for viewers for eyeballs essentially. And there was one point in the movie where, you know, essentially they they falsify the news or they trump it up by giving these two guys a platform who are very violent people. And it's all basically fake stage news to make people watch to see, like, how much they would actually invest in some of this violence. And Kelsey Grammer is the, you know, the anchor 
the reporter. And he gets so into it and he says, if it bleeds, it leads. And I remember that quote from that movie. I can't remember the title of it. But that's essentially, that encapsulates, and it kind of was a, a, a shot across the bow for the whole media industry kind of showcasing that that's how some of these people that are in newsrooms think. That's how, that's what drives people. It's not that you know, we need to have stories that promote harmony, promote unity, promote togetherness. It's stories about crime. You know, this person broke into this person's home. The whole Michael Moore movie where he points out that they always focus in on certain ethnicities, certain racial uh, demographics in perpetuating crime and accentuating that more than when uh, other groups of people, let's say when white people commit crime. And there's a whole segment in that movie that uh, one of Michael Moore's movies uh, that showcases that as well. And that's something that my dad taught me in getting back to, you know, towards the the top of the show um, is that there is spin in the media and the media tends to focus on tragedies because people, there's something within the human condition. And when you, when you study sociology and psychology and, and coaching, uh, you know, working with people as, as a life coach, as a, a coach that's going to help them with their own personal development. There's something within people that they like the fall from grace. They like the tragedy. You know, Shakespeare wrote a lot about that as well. There's something within the human makeup where there are most of us, not all of us, because myself, I'm not really into that whole thing. I, t- I tend to, I'm very, what people would say, maybe kind of Pollyanna-ish, um, for people that know don't know those terms, it's kind of like I prefer, you know, the sunshine to the rain. I'm a glass half full kind of person. I want to focus on the positive and the good and the happy. Uh, I don't like hearing or reading about, you know, gruesome murders and, you know, atrocious crime that happens. I know it's a part of life and it's a part of of society. And there's there's other things that drive that that are a whole separate show, but. People like that fall from grace. People like they think, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. Or can you believe this happened? Um, they, they get pulled in by the violence, almost like they can't, they, they can't look away. They have to see the train wreck or the, the tragedy, you know, where I'm going with this, with members of, you know, Hollywood or the music industry or people that are accomplished in some way. They some people get real satisfaction out of those people falling from their positions in life. Some people do, and it's part of the human makeup. I don't know why. Yeah, the whole thing with the Varsity Blues uh, staying operation with the the college and the stars getting their kids at the college, etc. You know, the Felicity Huffmans and the Lori Lachlans of the world, people like talking about that. Oh, you know, these these people, they had it made and they broke the law. And now they're going down for it, you know, when maybe it wasn't that simple. And maybe at face value, it seemed that way. And now you learn more about it. And it was, you know, people trying to do something to help their child. And a lot of people would say, you know what, like if I can help my my child get into college, I'd like to do anything for my child. 
and then they they don't realize what they do you know it's a like my wife likes to say like that that uh, turn when you turn towards you know sin or you turn towards the wrong side of things it starts really small and then you legitimize it and you say okay i could well i did this already let me just do this and then i'm going to stop and then it gets worse and worse and worse and you fall deeper and deeper and deeper into it and you can't get out and then you're in this tragic horrific situation that people love consuming and then making comments and beating people up and destroying people's character on social media. It's character annihilation, attacking, you know, the kids that are in this situation, um, which, you know, Lori Lachlan's daughter was you know, very publicly out on, on a social media, YouTube, I think it was, or Instagram this week with a whole attack against the media for allowing that to happen to essentially she's like 19 years old or something like that. And the, and, and you're allowing people to take shots at her. The, the young man that was on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial at the, the high school student that got framed in that shot. And they have that, all those, those lawsuits are going on now because the media spun it a certain way and people bought it. What role do corporations and owners of news outlets contribute to the spin of news today? And again, getting back to you know what I learned in school, what I mentioned in the show open, what I mentioned in the first point, first talking point of the show, and what I've started to mention earlier, and then I realized I wanted to hold it, kind of park it till this point, was what you know my dad taught me too, was that there's someone behind all of this. There's someone behind the studio that makes the movie. There's someone behind the news outlet, whether it's owned by a corporation or a conglomerate, they all are now. Excuse me. They all are today. Those people that are in charge, those gatekeepers that I mentioned earlier, as far as the definition of the role of the media, those people contribute very, very significantly, if you will, to the spin of the news today. And what does you know, spin means? Well, maybe it's spun. You know, people have said that before about a story, and there's no way to get it back. Like a story gets legs. You see that a lot with political candidates. And again, I never wanted this show to be a political show, but it's part of the news media. It's part of what they do. They report on you know, politicians on you know, issues of, of the day, issues that are facing the world or the country. And people out on the campaign trail. And, you know, there are going to be gaps, as they would call them, or slip-ups or mistakes, whatever you want to call them, that's going to that's gonna occur. What's going to contribute to that is how they spin that. And then the story takes off, and it could go from a small thing to become a very large thing. A couple of comments, you know, we've seen undercut presidential candidates, people that are trying to uh, hope to, to again, gain a nomination for a major party, be undercut by a story that spins out of their control. The spin of a story, you know, you turn on one news outlet and it's all about, you know, how the economy is great. And just for, for an example, that the stock market is booming as near high levels. And then you flip to another outlet and it's saying, well, there's a recession coming. You see what I mean? 
and you know one can can tend to be right leaning and one can tend to be quote unquote left leaning and my dad used to tell me you know what you have to do is you have to read or watch or ingest a lot of different things you have to look at the outlet that you know is skewed a certain way whether it's to the right or to the left whether it's extreme or whether it's kind of a centrist type of a publication, which there are some out there, you have to go to the, your major news sources and read those. There are fact driven. You know, my dad was a, a very, uh, a very brilliant man. And he would read a lot of, uh, he loved reading. So what they would say, a voracious reader. Um, he would like reading a scholarly type of journals and articles and things. And, you know, so you would say, well, that information's out there too. If you want to read like a case study or a scientific journal article that has data that actually supports some of these things, depending on whatever the topic is, there's financial data. That's one of the things that I really liked about the wall street journal. When I worked in, in New York, I used to read the journal a lot because I felt like out of all of them, I could look at the numbers and a lot of it was data driven. I could look at the financials and say, yeah, the stock's up, you know, 10% over last year. The stock's at a 52 week low. Why is that? You know, and you could look at, well, some of these commodities are probably contributing to that. So you could look at the numbers and you could look at how my dad showed me how to look at a stock and, and look at a PE ratio and, uh, look at some of those and, and figure out what's going on with their earnings, what's going on with them, because a lot of it was quali- qualitative and, and quantitative data. It was there supporting this. There are still spin, and, and you have to read all these things and put or watch a lot of different reports. And then, as my dad used to say, make a judgment for yourself, Frank. You know, make a determination like based on your own intelligence of what you think is really going on in a situation, because it's definitely skewed, you know, one way, another way, uh, right, left, center. And then what's really the truth is probably a, a variation of a story of all those three factors put together. You're listening to Undivided, the role of the media, episode number 51 which will be back in, in a moment. We're right on the half-hour mark here at our program, so thank you for listening. Some upcoming show promotions for you, Money Magic. That's Money Magic. The host is Goal Khan. Goal Khan is the host, and that's Tuesday, August the 27th is her next uh, live episode, August 27th. So that is uh, two weeks from yesterday. Uh, goal will be on. She talks all about money, the role of money in your life, um, the role of, of money in a healthy way, you know, because you have to be financially responsible, but it shouldn't dominate your life. It's a very interesting program. She has some enlightened guests, and she also has some very interesting uh, solo programs as well. Uh, that show will be live at 4 p.m. Eastern time here in the U- U.S. because, you know, Goal uh, does her show from London. So it's live at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel, Tuesday, August the 27th, Money Magic with Goal Khan. And then Erica Wiederlight show, Erica Wiederlight, Mondays twice a month 
11.30 a.m. Eastern is the time. It's uh, a live program, and it's on the Life Coach Chat Channel. Uh, check out either that website, the Life Coach Chat Channel site, or check out www.wethelight.com. That's Erica Weeder Light's uh, website, www.wethelight.com, playing her last name, which I love. And let's uh, continue to think about being the light for people that are in darkness, being the light for people that are struggling. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline reminds you that you matter, that everyone is important and created for a unique purpose by God. 800-273-8255 is the number. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Maybe you're depressed. Maybe you're have some health issues or you're homebound or you've got some long-term illnesses or disabilities and being in front of the TV, you know, I remember when my back was really injured, I would read a lot because being in front of the TV, if that's all I could do, if my neck was in bad shape that day, I would tend to watch a lot of different things to stay away from the news and I know a lot of other people that watch the news like all day long and it, and it cycles. It becomes the same stories. They just, you know, uh, regurgitate again, you know, at the top of the next hour and it's a cycle, right? Uh, it's what's called the news cycle. And it, it's just repeat rewind. It's the same stuff. They have no new news, you know, until something else terrible happens that they want to report on, but maybe you get depressed by that. Maybe you're sitting there and inevitably you're thinking about all this fear and all this hate and all this darkness and all this evil in the world. And you start thinking, well, you know, maybe, maybe I don't want to be here anymore. And that's the wrong way to turn. You, you were created by God for a purpose. You were created to bring your skills and talents into the world. And things do get better. I know life can be very difficult. I've had a very difficult last, you know, four weeks or so at certain points. Don't give up. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 800-273-8255. Samaritanspurse.org. That's Samaritanspurse.org. They're a great organization. They can be reached by phone, 828-262-1980. Again, Samaritanspurse.org, 828-262-1980. And we're back here on Undivided, episode 51, The Role of the Media. I'm going to take a sip of water real fast. Excuse me. And we are back here on the 14th of August. You know, it gets, keeps raining here in New Jersey. I'm thinking about it as I look out the window. It's getting cloudy again. It just keeps raining. It was raining this morning. Uh, and for all those that are dealing with these severe thunderstorms, um, you know, that have taken place, uh, please continue to pray. Please continue to stay calm and please continue to, to seek the answers uh, from God, because there's definitely a purpose for some of this, some of this weather, some of these storms um, and some of the loss that people have experienced, loss of property and et cetera and so forth. And I was just thinking about it as I looked out the window um, here in, in New Jersey, it's just, it's been a really tough summer for, for a lot of people. How do we bridge that divide as we enter the next segment of our program, the Bridging the Divide segment? And this is where I usually ask the guest a very big question uh, in the talking points tonight I'm asking myself. How do we bridge the divide between those who believe 
there is no media bias or media slant because there's some people that believe there isn't. Those who believe that all news is fake news has become a really big buzzword in the last few years, fake news. So there are people that believe all the news is fake. Those who have lost faith in journalism and the system and those who are trying to understand what they exactly should believe. So those are, I tried to encapsulate all the different types of views around this issue. And how do we bridge that divide? There are people that believe that the news is the news, especially I, I would think older people that were brought up in a, in a different time when they were told not to question, you know, the media is like an institution, you know, the, the news media, especially if you think you're, you're watching, you know, a big media corporation like an NBC news or, uh, you know, an ABC news. And then we found that those were flawed. Those were faulty. NBC news has had a number of issues. They've all had a number of issues. You know, uh, CBS is keeps reshuffling the deck there trying to compete for ratings. And and then you have Fox News, which I know people have come up to me and said, oh, you know, the only real media outlet is Fox News. And uh, unfortunately, they're on a slant, too. They all are. And some people say they're, they're on a slant, quote, unquote, to the right. And that could be argued, I guess. The CNN is, is way to the left, you know, the old jokes, the Clinton News Network and things like that. And it's interesting on CNN. I was going to mention it before, and I decided to park it. You know, I, I did remember that I had it in my mind to mention kind of off the top of my head and decided to hold it until this point here at the bridging of the divide segment. Whereas, you know, most episodes we would go to the phones. So there's no phone calls today. It's a, a recorded show. But please send me any uh, feedback that you have at undivided show. That's undivided SHOW at gmail.com. I want to mention that while I was thinking of it. But what I was thinking about before was CNN and getting back to the answer because it ties in here nicely. I had mentioned in the open and then I had mentioned again in point one that in the back of the day when media was evolving and changing over time, especially TV news, we had the main networks. I remember when CNN started. I'm probably dating myself here. But I remember when CNN started. And everyone was like, wow, a 24-hour news network. What the heck are they going to talk about? And look at how many we have now. So talk about being you know, ahead of its time. You know, it was a Turner property. So like Ted Turner had a lot of probably uh, say in that because it was his money. So I would imagine that you know, he had a lot of influence in, in what was going on there with the nexus of, of CNN, the birth of CNN. But I remember uh, being uh, very ill. I got a very bad case of the flu um, at one point, and it was wintertime. It was, I believe it was in January. It must have been. And I remember CNN was still relatively new. And for those people that know history or know history even of the media too, what big event, you know, crystallized CNN was the first Gulf War, the first Gulf War in Iraq with President Bush, you know, 41, uh, George H.W. Bush, rest his soul. And, you know, the whole invasion of Kuwait and all that, that war, that conflict, 
took place and it was the first one that took place entirely on the news. It was, you know, on the news, it was like live on TV. You're watching a war. And I was sick with the flu at that time. And that's all I watched. I was really into history. I still am, but I was really into history at that point in my life. I was really into military history and I felt like it was unfolding in in front of my eyes. Excuse me. And that event solidified CNN because that's where everybody went to to get information. You know, if you remember Storm and Norman Schwarzkopf are the general over there and the, the press conferences were, they were made for TV. You know, that guy, you know, he had the personality for that. So it was like a perfect storm for CNN. And that's what basically put them on the map. And people said, wow, now I understand it. Now I get it. Now I know what the role is for this. And then the fallout, the aftermath of that war created so much content for them. It created so many different ways that they can go. Remember the original Larry King episodes and the interviews that they would have on and stuff. That was it. That's where it took off. And then, of course, now we have a million of these outlets that are 24 hours a day. And that gets dangerous for people that can't turn it off that can't turn off their brains, you know, to they, that they get drawn in. Having something like, like the media 24 hours a day, social media 24 hours a day, it's not like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter shut down for business for the day. Oh, it's, you know, 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock. Yeah, we're closed. It's available all day, all night, all the time. And there are people that get really trapped in it and it becomes unhealthy. It becomes an unhealthy, almost like obsession. It becomes something that is unhealthy because they're drawn in. Then you have those who have lost their faith in journalism, getting back to the question as I'm trying to answer each point. Because it's a big question and I'm going to take a couple extra minutes on it and probably to a couple less minutes on some other things, so stay with me. Those who've lost faith in journalism, I, I'm being in, in journalism myself, I've lost faith in journalism. And I've attacked you know, the media fear machine, the mainstream media, and all that for a long time. So I have nothing to hide. At this point, you know, what I do with the news is I like writing my own stuff in in my own material, in my own way with outlets that will give you unvarnished commentary or unvarnished news about something. And I've steered away from the other outlets that I know have agendas. So I don't really care about it. It's uh, something I do on the side. It's not like it's my main, you know, source of work. I have other things that I do as most people know that have listened to the show. I've, you know, other things that I do with my life. So I don't really, it's not going to affect me if I go on, especially I've always promised to search for the answers on this show throughout the 50 episodes, now today being 51. And I think we've done a really good job of that, but people have lost faith in journalism. I know someone that went on an interview at a major news network and he was in a panel interview and he had made some kind of, comment about, you know, searching for the facts of a story. 
And they're like, well, the facts of the story are what we tell them the facts of the story are. You know, we're going to tell them how they're going to think about this is dangerous. This is what they're saying in an interview for, you know, a, a decently ranking position within the organization. It wasn't even like a high-ranking – imagine the high-ranking job with those guys, but they must think. But there's a panel of executives and news media, newsroom-type guys, not to be stereotypical, but it was all men. And they're like, this is what, what we tell them the news is, is what the news is, and they're going to believe it. That's scary. And my friend left the interview and withdrew his name from consideration. And it would have been probably a great job for him, and he had been out of work. And he um, he contacted me, you know, when he was on his way home from it, because he was like really jolted by that. I can't say I was completely surprised, to be honest, because I've been in rooms with some of these people. I've been on uh, phone calls with them, conference calls when I was on, you know, different doing different uh, things with different. Uh, media outlets and talking to editors and emailing editors and things like that. So I kind of know that it's no longer about the facts. It's about what they want you to think the facts are. And that's where we've gone off the track. And then there's those who are trying to understand what they should believe. So bridging that divide, you know, between all those is I think you have to understand that all people have bias inherently. And the people that are in these positions, they don't want to be self-analytical. They don't want to be, and I'm generalizing, but I know, I know, and I've heard it, and I've seen it, and I've experienced it. Most of those people, let's say, because I don't want to stereotype people, most of those people are not people that are going to say to themselves, because they're not, you know, built that way. I need to self-evaluate. I need to self-analyze how am I presenting the news irresponsibly. They're just going from one thing to the next because it's fast. It moves quick. It's a newsroom. You know? The world has constantly got some new, great, terrible story to drive fear to people to keep them apart because ultimately that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to divide people and keep them at arm's length from one another. Because if we were together and we were in lockstep and we were we did think, excuse me, that, oh, you know, my neighbor's a great guy, you know, or gal, um, and I'm going to go out of my way to help them, or I'm going to go out of my way to get to know these people who are from another country or another religion or another culture, insert whatever here, we might find out that we like it. And if we find out that we actually like and care and respect each other, that's going to be bad for the people that are the elites. The, and some people think it sounds crazy. They have done studies on this. I've read all about the power elite. That's who decides everything. You know, who's going to be the candidate for president? Who's going to be your local representative in Congress? The price of a paperclip. Remember the movie Wall Street with Michael Douglas? Are they, are they All those guys at the top all the people, because there's females too, so all the people at the top, those people with the money, those people, the power elite, they decide all that. So there is bias. You have to navigate it by using your own ability to self-evaluate. Does this sound like, you know, whatever, 
take an example. Does this story sound like it's far-fetched? Does this story sound like it's trumped up? You know, some of it is made for TV entertainment. Oh, there was a police chase, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they present it with, they're like actors. And some of these people in broadcasting, don't get me wrong, they do a great job. And some of them are in it for the right reasons, and they're in it to report the news, and they've done some great work. And I've met some of those people, too. I've had a very privileged life. I've met a lot of major anchors and people that have done news, uh, and they're in it for the right reasons. So I'm not trying to make anybody you know, look bad on the show either. But inherently, I think it's, it's incumbent upon us to think about what we should believe is what sounds right to us after not just taking one viewpoint and taking it as that's it. Well, ABC reported it, so it has to be true. It's in the newspaper, so it has to be true. That's the furthest thing from it. The worst one of all is it's on the Internet. It has to be true. That is so far removed from reality, it's unbelievable. So that's what we have to do. We have to take the time to kind of take a step back and say, okay, I'm now going to read what this news source says about it or watch a YouTube, uh, uh, YouTube uh, piece, you know, clip, let's say, excuse me, of um, like CBS reporting on something or 60 Minutes reporting on something, and then I'm going to watch, you know, what this one says. You get the point. That's what I think we have to do. And we have to realize that we all inherently have things that are in common and there are good stories, and that's where some of the new, new media is going to come in, and that's a great segue to our next point. The role of journalism has shifted, and some new media allows for different viewpoints. Where is the line drawn, and how can faith be restored in the mainstream news sources? So this new media has come along, and it's a great segue from, and a great jump from, from the bridge to the next point. The new media has come into play and allowed for stories of hope, stories of peace, stories of uh, encouragement, uplifting stories. Some of those things have seen the light of day, which used to not happen. You know, the old news format, when I was talking about before, when you watch the network news, you know, let's say you watch uh, one of the local you know, in New Jersey, it's out there right in New York City, and this part of New Jersey is Southern Jersey. It's out of Philadelphia, and I've watched all of them. When you watch any kind of news, local or national, they're going to give you the top stories, right, that they think are going to gain the most attention. And then after the first commercial break, it's the stuff that's kind of late cycle stuff that they're following up on. And then they go to commercial, and then they give you the weather, and then they go to commercial again, trying to sell ads. And then when they come back, it's they're going to tie up with a couple of things and they want to leave you with some quick story that is lighter before they go to the, whatever other program that they're going to, you know, Jeopardy or something. As an example. And so that one little snippet at the end was the only good quote unquote news story that most of these people ever reported in their lives. The new media has a different take on it. 
and allowing for those different viewpoints, allowing people the forum to really get out there and really demonstrate what their lives are like, what their experience has been like is incredibly powerful. And it's been incredibly powerful and it resonates with a lot of people. Yeah, I, I have a friend of mine that says, I no longer watch, my dad and I no longer watch any of the other news except for Vice. So they turn into Vice News. And they think that that gives them a more streamlined, more fact-driven. And the argument can be made that it probably does. There's other people that argue that it's it's got a slant too, you know, based on who is shaping those uh, stories. A lot of this is like it was almost like the, the, the old school network news. Uh, I want to give this analogy, the old school network news. And when CNN first came into the fore and then Fox news came about, it was almost like they are now the new Facebook. And so far as like, insofar as like Facebook and Instagram, we were talking about this yesterday when I was on the phone with a colleague of mine, that stagehand, And I've talked about it a lot on this program that is made to look like everyone's happy. Everything's great. Everything's whatever you're showing the best parts of you, your vacations, you know, doing great stuff with your kids and other people look at that and get envious, get depressed. The news media is like that. But the, in the flip side, they staged all these stories or they hyped up the negative aspects of them to make everything look bad all the time. And now we come to find out that the world is not like that. You know, it's like the movie Pleasantville, if you remember that movie with Toby Maguire back in the day. You know, you realize that the world is not all, you know, what it was hyped up to be. You know, kind of taking that play of the 1950s TV show, the Leave it to Beaver mentality. Oh, everything's great. Everything's like I would say Pollyanna sunshine. And you find out there are people that are unhappy. There are people that their lives are unfulfilled. And they didn't show any of that then, you know, on TV. They wanted everyone to be happy and, and, and joyful. Then on the news, it was, oh, this person did this to this person, especially in the 60s. They were trying to drive a wedge between everybody. Instead of focusing on the togetherness and the harmony, because they didn't want the people to get that, that powerful, because that would be a scary thing. It's similar today, you know, we have governments toppled by Twitter. Think about that. So this new media concept is, is very powerful. The line has to be drawn somewhere. The line has to be, you know, some of that is good. Too much of that, you start fracturing people all over the place. So there has to be something that kind of unites and ties that all together. And I think that's going to come about in the next few years. How can faith be restored? The second part of that question to the mainstream. I don't know the answer to that. I thought I would by this point of the show. It's kind of vibing and going organically. I didn't want the answers to sound canned. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Because I think some people are so fractured by what's gone on with the mainstream media that I don't know if there is a point of return from it that they believe, as I said before, you know, someone walked up to me, you know, when I was at the gym one day and I was uh, stretching by an exercise bike 
I wasn't even watching what it was on the TV. And they came up and said, well, you have the wrong network on. And CNN was on the screen. This is the only network you should watch and puts on Fox News. Well, that's your opinion, number one. And number two, there are other people that would, would say, hey, I watch CNN all the time, you know, or I watch a bunch of different, you know, things on TV. It just happened to be what was on. And they have such deep rooted opinions on it that it gets scary because you can't exist in a situation where you're only thinking about, you know, things that tunnel visioned. You have to allow yourself to open your mind. You have to allow yourself to, you know, when I had mentioned Michael Moore's movies before, I never talk about, and, and even my really good friend said to me, I don't even know your, uh, which way you lean politically because you hide it so well. I don't, I keep that very private. My own views are private and personal to me. My own views kind of vary, to be honest, because I look at each individual situation and call it as I see it with everything in my life. So when it comes back to how I look at things, how I view things, you know, the mainstream wants to pull you in one direction or the other. And you have to look at it as, you know, what's really happening here. Does this make sense to me? And by, you know, I had mentioned the Michael Moore movies before I watched them for information. I know someone else too, that is a really like a right wing leaning kind of Republican kind of guy. And he said to me, you know, one time, he's watched all those movies, too, to get information, to get a different viewpoint. And said, like, if 50% of what some of the, those movies are, you know, the, the content is true, then it's bad. So, like, I'll throw out 50% of the movie thinking that it's something that, you know, is probably being produced to make me think a certain way. But if, if half of it is true, or even less than half, it's still pretty frightening. What is the political, environmental, all these different aspects? You have political news, you have environmental news, you have news on crime. Those areas divide people. And, you know, people feel one way about the environment. You know, climate change has been a, a big focus lately. And some people think it's a hoax. Some people think that it's very real. Uh, some people think that our uh, that global warming is a uh, a major issue. Some people think it's a bunch of fluff. I'm being honest about what I've heard. Some people don't care. There are those people too. And then, like politically, some people are apathetic. They don't care. They don't vote. They don't get into it. They don't mind. And and then on crime, you know, some people think, oh, well, those people, quote, unquote, those people cause all the problems or, you know, people from a certain uh, socioeconomic background are committing all the crime. And then you have guys that are millionaires that are getting arrested and women, too, uh, you know, on Wall Street for white collar crimes of that are despicable. You have a multimillionaire like the Epstein guy doing horrific things to people. And so you can't just say it's one group or another. You can't say that one group's wrong for feeling a certain way. That's how people get divided. 
because we have these news stories where, oh, this person invented global warming to, you know, for this gain. Certain people invented it to sell products. To a degree, some of that could be true. I don't know. I'm not an expert on the environment, and I don't claim to be. But I'm talking about how it gets reported, which I do know a lot about. They do that intentionally. And so the role of the media is not to be this great uniter. How can we refocus on unity? It gets tough. We have to find common ground in each one of those areas and the other areas, too, that impact how things are reported. Even just, excuse me, in our communities, local news. There's a big local news story going on in, in my own town about, you know, nepotism and people being hired, you know, improperly for different jobs in town government. And, you know, one guy saying that it's because the guy who's, it's a witch hunt because the guy that is investigating the whole thing lost the last election and is now trying to, you know, grind the ax essentially. And then you had other people saying that it was done above board and that there was no other qualified people for the job. And then you've got other people saying that they're, you know, that it looks bad for the town that this happened. So there's all these different viewpoints and it's divided all these people on a, on an issue as small as someone got hired on the municipal level in a town. So if it can happen there, imagine what happens on a bigger stage. It's a problem. But we have to look at, okay, where can we find, you know, common viewpoints in these areas? What can we agree upon? We want safe communities. We want clean water. We want safe uh, highways. We want, uh, you know, air that we can breathe. We want our neighborhoods to be free from crime and drugs. All, all people could probably agree on those things, or most of them could. That's how we have to refocus on, on unity is to, to push away from all this noise and sit in some type of forum together, whether it's online or in person. I think in person is better because online it gets out of hand. Again, you're behind the veil of a computer. And come together as people. But people don't do that anymore. And that's where some of the role of some of these grassroots organizations that's where it's going to start. What is the role of coaching in this area? Some people felt, oh, well, he's not going to talk about that in this show. I was talking to a couple of my friends before I came on the air and uh, yesterday about this. But coaching can be applied to anything. And where I think coaching is important in this area as we get towards the end of our program is that some people gain insight that they can become obsessed in an unhealthy way, as I mentioned before with the news. Some people gain that insight, you know, through a coach walking them through certain things. We want them to find that answer for themselves. I'm not going to say, hey, Johnny, you know, this is not healthy for you. I'm going to ask certain questions to get Johnny to think about that. You know, how much time do you spend, would you say, you know, Johnny, so-and-so, on watching TV in a given week, X amount of hours. 
you know, how many t- how many hours are you watching the news? X amount of hours. How much time are you spending on social media? You get where I'm going. And through those answers, so you see how much time you spend on this, and what is it taking you away from? And it might be things that he really values doing. That's where you have that conversation where it becomes unaligned with the person or the client's values in an unhealthy way. So then, okay, I'm obsessed with news. I'm obsessed, I'm obsessed, excuse me, with politics. All I could talk about is that I'm a, you know, Trump supporter or not to take, you know, anything, but a lot of people, this is a very hot area, you know, or I'm on the other side, you know, maybe I'm a, a Bernie Sanders fan or a Joe Biden fan or whoever. When you look at politics, you know, Maybe I'm a fan of the governor of a state. Maybe I'm not. Maybe I voted for the other person, the other candidate. And now I feel like stuck with this person. So now it it sticks in my craw, so to speak. So I'm going to try and go. This is what a lot of people tell me. I'm going to try and go out of my way to, to make other people try and understand that this is not the person that we have. Well, guess what? It's a democracy. And this is what drives me crazy about some of the stuff that goes on in politics as a pro science major. We elected as a whole these people. In order to get something done, we have to support those people, whether we agree with them or not, whether they are not in alignment with, you know, our whatever party we identify with, which that's where the party system gets so out of hand. It divides people in an unhealthy way. Instead of looking at, well, what does the person stand for? What have they done? There's, there's, there's got to be good somewhere. And we always are looking for the bad. We're always looking for the negative because that's what the media enforces. And at coaching, we would say, well, did the person do something good? What did the, what did the person do for this or that? Why do, you, why do you dislike this person so much? You know? How could we make you feel differently about that? Because having that much anger and having this frustration about someone that you don't even know is unhealthy for you. So in coaching, we're going to go through re-evaluating, re-evaluating excuse me, values of a client, the leisure time, the hobbies, getting them invested in things that are going to be more positive for them and for their outlook than sitting in front of the TV watching the news because that is not going to help you. There is a world out there that needs help. And as my pastor says, it's not that far away. Some people think, oh, I have to get on a train and go to New York City. I mean, I'm you know, being in New Jersey. Or I've got to drive over to Philadelphia or Camden and I've got to help people. And that's fine. That's great because they do need help. I'm not saying they don't. There are people in your community. There are people on your street. There are people in your townhouse development, if you're in a development or an apartment complex. They need help. And the media doesn't want you thinking about that. They want you concentrated away from all that. They want you afraid sitting inside your apartment, your townhouse, your home, whatever it is, with the doors locked. At coaching, we'd say, hey, let's look at what you could do cutting down on that time in front of the TV, especially if it's unfulfilling to you, which a lot of people will be unfulfilled by that. And focus on something you can do to make a positive change in your community. How do we find common ground between those is the last segment of our show, the common ground piece. 
How do we find common ground between those who have varying views on the media to get everyone focused on harmony and peace? So there's all these different viewpoints on the media. Some people, again, as I said, in the bridge, uh, the bridging the divide, they think it's fake. They think the news media only reports what they want. To some degree, that is true. As I said before, you have a limited amount of time. And whoever is in control of that situation, whether it be a group of people, one person, um, which is scary if you think about that, um, or an organization like a big corporation that's saying, well, all right, this is going to be our agenda, you know, and this is, these are the stories we're going to choose to showcase or highlight. People have to get around those views by focusing in on what is important to them. Do they want to live in a constant state of fear or angst or anxiety, or do they want to live in a situation where they're able to focus on being at peace with themselves and at peace with other people, living in harmony with your neighbors versus living in a state of constant chaos, which is very, very bad for your mental, emotional, and physical health. You can look at the media and say, you know, some of it is fake, some of it is staged, and it is. Some of it is important news that we need to know, you know especially some of these things about the environment, some of the uh, information about like a weed killer like Roundup and what some companies are doing that, you know, essentially damages livestock, crops, people. So that kind of news is important. What a merger would mean for you, you know? What does this mean that these two companies merge? Well, it's going to impact pricing. It's going to impact how much money you're going to spend on a, a product or service. Those are really important things. If you own stock, the financial news is very important because it's your money. And at the end of the day, I understand that. But getting ourselves focused on things that are good that things that are the opposite of being constantly in fear or unrest and to reach out to other people so that we can live together in harmony and peace is by breaking down those barriers and getting rid of the bias, getting rid of our preconceptions. And that's how we'll live undivided. I thank you for listening this evening um, to the program. Uh, again, replenish me with Cordelia Farr. Uh, that's on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Check the website, Money Magic Gold Con, Tuesday, August 27th, live at 4 p.m. Eastern on the Life Coach chat channel. Erica Wiederlite, Mondays twice a month, 11.30 a.m. Eastern, Life Coach chat channel. Check out our website at wethelight.com. Um, again, Catholic Charities is 800-919-9338, SalvationArmyUS.org, enter your zip code or the poor zip code in your state or region to donate to your local areas and people that are really in need. Uh, Food for the Poor is 800-427-9104. They have a big campaign going on for different humanitarian crises. There's a lot of them, unfortunately. Check out their website for more information. It's www.foodforthepoor.org. That's all one word, www.foodforthepoor.org, 800-427-9104. MAP International, MAP International, 
8550. That's 800-225-8550 or www.mapsandpeter.org. Please send me any feedback you may have on this episode to undivided show. That's undivided S-H-O-W at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter at F-M-A-D-U-R-I. So I thank you for tuning in tonight. I uh, dedicated this episode to my dad and um, he introduced me to the media and he introduced me to you know, how to, you know, read a journal article in a scholarly journal, how to read the New York Times and kind of peruse and gain a lot of information in a short amount of time, uh, you know, which I'll still do, still do now, excuse me, uh, going through headlines on, on the Internet. So the way that I ingest news has changed. The uh, methodology remained the same. And just keep in mind that there is a lot of different viewpoints out there. There's a lot of opinions you have to, to focus your energy on how you're going to shape your own opinion. And it's going to be something that is in alignment with your own values and viewpoints. Uh, has to be guided by spirituality and uh, guided by your belief system. And that's how we will all live uh, truly undivided and not in fear of one another. Uh, my next episode, I'm, I'm unsure at this point. I was supposed to have one in August, which was today. I may do one next week on the 21st, but I have, as I said, some things going on right now, and I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to do that. So I would say uh, check out the website. You'll also see, uh, so on Life Coach Radio Network uh, website, uh, Blog Talk Radio, uh, will list the events. It will also be a Facebook event on the Life Coach Radio Network page on Facebook. So check that out. If I am unable to do the show, because I have a concept in mind uh, for one week from today, um, so again, I've been off for a month. You're going to get two shows in two weeks if that happens, um, or else I may be unable to do that. And then my next show would definitely be on September the 4th, and that's going to be with Namrata Mathur. She's going to be my special guest on that uh, episode. That's September the 4th, and that will be a live show at 7 p.m. So until I see you again, whenever that may be, and we catch up here back on the airwaves, thank you for listening in to uh, this program here this evening, the special edition of Undivided. For Russ Terry, for Danica Treble, for all my fellow co-hosts on the Life Coach Radio Network, I'm your host, Frank J. Maduri. Thank you so much for listening in and living undivided. And until I see you all again, be blessed and be well. <laughs>